We are finishing our series called We Are The Church. How many of you have been blessed so far by the series? That's more than first service. There's probably seven of you. There was only three in the first service that were blessed, but that's okay. Uh, I feel like it's been really good. We've been really talking about the role of the big church, the big C church, the global church. If you remember two weeks ago, uh, we, we looked at the first time the word house of God was ever used in Scripture, all the way back in Genesis, and we looked at a story of a man named Jacob who had an encounter as he was on the run, running from his sin. He met God, and he said, in, in the most unlikely place, this is none other than the house of God. And we talked about how you can have church anywhere. Did you know that? You can have church in, in the break room. You can have church in, in your house or in your car. Anybody ever had church in your car before? Come on now, where are all my worshipers at? Will y'all just be crying, just, just, <laughs> just, just trying to drive, just trying to, just Lord, I just pray I don't get into an accident right now. I can't see. Just having church on the way to work. Come on now. You can have church anywhere. So we talked about the role of the, of the big C church. And then last week, we really dove into an understanding of the local church. We said this, that the local church is God's plan for advancing his kingdom on the earth. Now, we amen that because it's true, but there is no plan B. And so when I say that, when I say, hey, there is no plan B, that, God, that the local church is God's plan A, many of us, we, we, we don't like that because a lot of us have, have walked through some church hurt and, and been in some environments where uh, God was misrepresented at times. And, uh, and so to us, to some of you, maybe the local church we have, we have bad feelings about it. But, but how many of you know you should never allow your personal relationship with Christ to be based on a person other than Jesus? Because a person, a man or a woman, eventually will always let you down. And so what I'm saying is, is, that, is that if your faith and your trust is in me, eventually I will let you down. Because I'm not perfect. And some of you, you know, because you expect a lot of grace from me, and, and I, I want to say this, I'm going to expect the same grace from, from you that you expect from me, and to know that we're in this thing together, but I don't want your eyes on me, I want your eyes on Jesus, because, because your relationship, listen, I walked through some church hurt too, very difficult, some of my, my mentors, when I first got saved, um, had fallen away and, and gotten into sin, and I was confused, and, and I was just in a place where I was like, Lord, I don't even know what to do, some of the people I look up to the most are not serving you. And I came to a place, I came to a, an agreement, a dedication to the Lord, one moment in my apartment. And I said, God, I don't care if any, anyone else in this world follows you, I am not turning back. I have seen too much, I know too much, you've done too much for me, and you deserve my life, whether someone else misrepresents you or not. Can I get an amen? All right, so we, we talked about the role of the local church. We, I've been weaving in um, some of our core values into this series, um, and, and our core values are posted up on our wall over there. Why do we do that? Because values dictate your actions. What you value comes out in what you do. You, your, your, um, uh, the, the way that you respond um, is based upon the values that you have in your own life. And so you should have values as a family. You should have some things that you say, man, our family, are, we are guided by these values. So what happens is, is if you ever feel like you're getting off track, you can go back to the values that should be directing your life and say, no, 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 remember. And so we have seven values right there. And, and last week, uh, I talked about one of them, which was 
you know, community is our design. And I believe that we were designed to, uh, to live in community. We talked about that. And today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about another one of our core values. And it's the seventh one on the list, on the wall, um, if you've ever taken the time to stare up there. Um, it is this, serving is our, and for 10 points, who knows the next word? Privilege. Three of you get some grace points in heaven. You got to wait till you get there to get the points. <laughs> Serving is our privilege. Now, some of you are like, well, come on now. Let's talk real. Serving is, ob- is my obligation. It's not necessarily my privilege. Come on now. I can understand serving is my obligation. You know, God's done so much for me, so it's my natural response to give back to him, and I'll serve whatever, you know. That's all good. No, no, no. Here in this house, we believe that serving is our privilege. Can I talk to you about that today? Okay, good. I'm going to do it anyway. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this. For just as, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Oh, you got to catch this. He arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Gifted you specifically to be a part of the body, though many. uh, Sorry, if, if all were a single, verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. (laughs) Did you catch that? The parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. Indispensable. As a matter of fact, in that chapter, Paul goes on to say that it's, 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 the, it's the gifts that are, that are the weaker gifts that God places more honor on. So what does that mean? That means the gifts like I'm operating in a gift right now. And, and, and so my wife and, and, and many others today were operating in a gift that was more seen. And, and just because of the way that our culture works, maybe is more, um, you know, people strive towards those. But God is saying it's the ones that are, that are looked down upon that are going to be placed the most honor upon. And so please don't ever chase this microphone. Don't ever chase these lights because if that's what you chase, they'll crush you. I learned a long time ago, I need to chase Jesus and just say yes to whatever he puts in front of me. Whether it's a parking lot, whether it's six youth on a Wednesday night, or whether it's a stage with however many people God wants to bring in this building. I just want to have a yes to give him. You with me today? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. And I want to illustrate this point. One of my favorite stories in all of the Bible I just love to see the disciples act out. It makes me feel good because I act out sometimes so I can relate to them. Jesus is on a road trip with his disciples, 
And uh, it's interesting because in verse 20 it says, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons. This is James and John. So, so imagine this. They're walking down the road, and, 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 and they bring mama with them to talk to Jesus. And, and came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what you want? <laughs> this is what it says. I don't know what kind of tone Jesus used with that. And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right and one at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Now, let me just pause right there. This is funny. Imagine this. Walking down the street, road trip, you got mama with you, and, um, and, and, and you're kind of just debating status. I mean, at this point, man, Jesus was doing miracles, amazing things had already happened, and they're feeling good about themselves. Like, they're one of the 12. And so naturally, they're like, hey, uh, like, I wonder in the ranking system where we rank. Are we like four, five? I mean, where do you think we are? Well, I got an idea. Let's send mama. <laughs> to go ask Jesus, I don't think any of the other disciples have thought of this yet. Maybe we can snag the first two spots. I was thinking about this because, because growing up, when I lived at home, you know, and, and, and when I started working, you know, I, I, my first job was at Publix. I just bagged groceries. Any, anybody, any, um, you know, grocery store workers, come on now. And so I remember one time specifically needing to call into work. And I lived at home, and I'm like, and it wasn't because I was sick. Come on now. Um, it, it, I wanted to do something else, but I just had this grand idea. If my mom calls in for me, how much better is that? Like, who's going to say no to your mama? And so sure enough, my mom called because it's like, um, excuse me, I need to speak to the manager. My son is sick and will not be in today. Like, what are you going to say to that? This is his mother. You go, okay, ma'am, um, tell him we're praying for him. This is so much better. You get your mom to do the dirty work for you, and this is exactly what happened. And so they're, 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 coming, to, they're, they're, they're coming to Jesus because of, of, of status and this desire for greatness. Hang on to this. This desire for greatness. And I started thinking about why, as it relates to serving, why a lot of people uh, choose not to serve in the church, and I think it's because we, we think um, serving is the opposite of greatness, and we all have a desire within us to be great. All of us love great things and want to be great. As a matter of fact, and let me just say this, we were created this way. You were created with a desire to be great. It's just the pathway to get to greatness that we mess up and a misunderstanding of what greatness in the kingdom is and greatness in the world is. And so we want to talk today about the pathway to greatness. But, but think about it. Like all of us, all of us in this room love great things. Like none of you love average. None of you like this weekend were like called your friend up. Like, hey, um, what is like the most average movie you've seen lately? Because I'm taking my wife out tonight. Like, you never say that. Like, what's the best movie? Tell me an amazing movie that you've seen recently. We want amazing. We want great. We want the best. How about this? Hey, hey, uh, I'm the, we're going out to lunch today. Um, what, any, any average restaurants that you could, you know, 
Or how about this? When you go to a restaurant, and this is what my wife does every single time. She's known for taking 20 minutes to look over her menu, halfway pick between three, and then when the waiter comes over, say, this is what she says every single time. What's the best thing on the menu? And whatever the waiter says, even if it's not in her three, she's going with that. I'm like, you just spent 20 minutes deciding here. You should have just asked them from the beginning. But none of us, none of us have ever said, hey, excuse me, waiter. (laughs) What is the most average thing on this menu? It's really in an average mood right now. (laughs) We, We don't say that. Because we don't like average. We like greatness. We like to be at the top. And Jesus is dealing with this desire inside of us to be great. This desire inside of us to be at the top, to have leadership position. I remember the first time that I was ever introduced to leadership. This is my introduction into leadership was in third grade. And uh, it was when they, they um, knighted me safety patrol. Well, y'all remember Safety Patrol? Come on, Safety Patrol was the thing. I mean, it was amazing because, because I had authority, like, to actually tell other kids what to do. And I just thought that was pretty cool. So I thought leadership is when you get to tell people what to do. So, like, for me, you put, you strap that on. I mean, and it was a it strap all the way around here, and it had, like, a, like a, like a cop's badge. Like, like you, you're like, What? And I remember specifically, I remember specifically seeing kids like running down the hallway and I'd be like, hey, uh-uh, uh-uh, whoop, trying to blow my whistle. Uh-uh, you, no walking. And they're like, what you talking about? Safety patrol. Better get you some. Safety patrol. This was my introduction to, to, to leadership, like leadership 101. I get to tell people what to do. And unfortunately, over the years, because of the culture that we live in, This has been ingrained into us, that leadership is when you're up here and you tell people what to do, and and serving is when you're down there, and nobody loves to be down there. We all have a desire. We all have a desire to be great. I want to give you three reasons today, and then we're going home. Three reasons why serving is a privilege. Three reasons why serving is a privilege. If you're a note taker, number one is this. Serving leads to calling. Serving leads to calling. Or serving leads to greatness. Luke 14, 11 says this. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. I want you to see here that, that, that Jesus does not want us just to stay lowly and, 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 and quiet and poor. See, there's this... There's this vein in Christianity that says you got to be poor, and what true humility is is when you let people step all over you, and you you just you just you know do whatever other people say, and you just keep your mouth shut. This is not humility. As a matter of fact, I believe true humility is 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 confidence and who God is for you, because what happens is, is true humility is now knowing who I am in Christ because of what he's done for me, and it now frees me to serve you. 
It frees me because I'm because I know who I am and, and I'm now free to serve, which means to get up under you and serve your vision. So humility is not cowering down. Humility is confidence in who God is. See, here's what happens. I'm, I'm now confident to get up under you and serve you because I don't care what people say about me. That's why you see people out in this parking lot. Like my dad, is he in the room? Probably not. He's probably sweeping somewhere. He just loved to serve. It was a senior pastor for 35 plus years. How about Jim Moon? Is he in the room, Mr. Jim Moon? Pastor Jim Moon, you see two of the most uh, um, anointed, uh, full of the most wisdom men in this church. And you know what they love to do every week? Wave you in the parking lot. Because they're not worried about what you think about them. Like, wait a minute, Pastor Donnie, you served as a senior pastor for 35 years and you were the man of God. Come on, y'all say that sometimes. They're like, the man of God. And what are they doing? They're serving you because it's a privilege to them. Because they're not worried about status. Status in the kingdom. Come on, this is what Jesus is saying. You want to be great? You got to go low. Can we talk today? Luke 14, 11, I said that already. Serving leads to calling. Let me explain this to you. Years ago, I felt called into the ministry. I was in the Coast Guard, and uh, I wanted to be a rescue swimmer. Wanted to be, um, you know, like the movie Guardian. I mean, just look cool to me. I'm like, that's what I want to do. And, and so I was training, and I was ready to roll. Had my, my papers to go to um, swimmer school. And, um, and, and in a church service, similar to this, one day down at an altar, I felt like the Lord said, Stephen, I'm calling you into the ministry. And I didn't really know what to do with that because at the time, you know, I was not, you know, I didn't play any instruments, wasn't a singer at all. So worship was out of the question, uh, was... was um, kind of not confident in communicating at all. As a matter of fact, in our college group, I was the, I did not want to speak. You know how sometimes they take turns? I hate that. Like, don't take turns. Like, I don't want to speak. And then when it gets to me, I got to have this awkward moment where I say, please skip me. <laughs> like, just don't do that. That was me. I was like, yes. Like, I, I just, I, and so for me, preaching and doing what I do now, out of the question. But I just knew, like, God was calling me to ministry. So what does it look like? Like, what's the path for me? I'm like, I don't know what's left. Missionary? That doesn't sound fun. And this is, seriously, this is my mindset. God, I don't even have anything to give you. I don't have much at all to give you. So I'll just give you my yes. And I began to give God my yes one step at a time. And here's what I'm telling you. The pathway to greatness is not a whole, it's not a few really great decisions. It's a lot of little decisions just to say yes to Jesus. It's in the shadows of just willing to serve and willing to get in there and say, God, I don't have much, but what I have, you can have it. You can have what I have. And what I noticed is, this is the way God works. Over time, as I just began to serve, and as I began to just step out, God was leading me one step on this way, then one step here. He was preparing me there, and he sent me to the mission field. I spent a year in the mission field, and God was pressing me in areas there, pulling some pride out of me there, giving me some perspective. And all the while, I didn't realize that my yes was preparing me for my calling. I didn't realize that deep inside, I had some gifts that at the time, I didn't even know were there. And so we stayed a year in Belize, and then I, I heard God say, I want you to come back and serve your dad. 
in Pinellas County. I didn't know what that was. I'm like, okay. And so we come and, and, and we're, and, and I become youth pastor. My wife starts doing the worship. We got like four kids. There's no AC. This whole room right here was our youth room. No air conditioner. I'm like, Lord, you, you got a sense of humor. Never done youth ministry before. Don't have a clue what I'm doing, but you can have my yes. Started preaching every week. Started getting up in front of four, five, six kids every week, and then it began to grow. And then what I didn't realize is my yes in that moment in the in the hot room over here when I was already working two jobs and, and, and at many times felt just stressed because of all that we were doing. That whole season was preparing me and leading me for this moment. I didn't know that then. Like God wasn't like, I mean, it would have been great if he works like this. Be like, hey, by the way, if you will do this for four years, and then I'm going to have you come over here for a little bit, yeah, then you're going to lose your job. It's going to be tough, but I'm going to get you through it. But if you'll stick with it, when you get here, it's going to be amazing. I'd be like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. He he puts, he's a, a, a light to our path, meaning right where I can see the next step. He lights our steps, Proverbs says, not like all the way down, like the whole way. It's like, oh, okay, I got to step here now. I don't know what next. Oh, there's a, okay, let me step here now. So God's just asking for our yes. And so serving is the gateway to your calling. I just got to stop right, leave it there. Let me just say this. Tomorrow's leaders are serving in the shadows of today. Tomorrow's leaders are serving in the shadows of today. Why? Because they aren't above serving. They know who they are. How about this one? If you're too great to serve, you're too small to lead. If you're too great to serve, you're too small to lead. Well, pastor, <laughs> well, pastor, I just think you need to let me preach. I just feel like my, the time for my anointing has come. Well, the fact that you're telling me to let you preach is probably an indicator that you're not ready. Is that okay to say? Many times, I love pastoring people that, that want to be in the ministry. Because what's so great is that you think all I do is, is what you see here on Sunday, and I play golf the rest of the week. What a great life. I don't do anything else. I just kick back and enjoy life, and I work two hours a week. Okay. So I have people come and say, hey, I want to be in the ministry. Can you mentor me? Can you pour into me? And you know what I want to see? You know where I want to push them into it in first before anything else? Oh, I wish you could just see my anointing. No, let me see how you serve. Oh, I wish you could hear me preach. No, I want to see you take out the trash when nobody's watching. Oh, I wish you could hear how I led this. Oh, I wish you could hear me lead this song. Oh, I wish I could see you serve. Oh, I wish I could see you park some cars. Are you above that? Y'all not going to let me preach today. I was hiding in the back Friday night during the she-gathering, and I'm so glad I I did because I got to hear Anita's story and her testimony. And um, how many of you love Anita? I, I loved it because all you see is a smile, but you don't realize that a couple of years ago she walked through one of the hardest seasons of her life. And almost walked away from the Lord and, and wa- almost walked away from this church. She just felt ashamed. And um, what she found is that through just willing to give God the little that she had, she told in her, in her story that um, she used to get in trouble for smiling too much. Imagine that. 
um, Anita getting in trouble for smiling too much. And so she was ashamed of it. She's always smiling. She's always got a smile on her face. And so she said when she really began to step out, and she just started in here just greeting, just shaking hands, and she began to come to life. And then she said, what I realized is what I was always ashamed of is my greatest strength. She said, I found who I really am through stepping out and beginning to serve the body of Christ. And now I don't know what we would do without her. If you're new here at all, you know Anita. And it's because of that amazing smile. Here's what I want to say before I go to my next one. Are you waiting on God to reveal what's next for you? If you are, God may be waiting on you just to get in the game, just to start using your gifts. You say, I don't have much. I just have a couple loaves and a few fish. Come on, you know where I'm going with that. Give it to him. He's going to take it. He's going to bless it. He's going to multiply it. Serving leads to calling. Here's number two. Serving flows from sitting. And uh, I stole this from my dad. He did a, he did a sermon a while back on, on Luke chapter 10, um, Mary and Martha. And his point was that serving must flow from a place of relationship. In other words, your commitment to God must flow from your connection to him. Luke chapter number 10, 41, 42 says, but the Lord answered her. Talking about Martha. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Your serving must begin with your sitting at the feet of Jesus. Otherwise, you will burn out. Let me say this. The way to stir you to get involved here, which I'm going to do in a minute, just hang with me, is not a great sermon on servanthood. Because that's going to work for a little while until the emotions run out. And then you're going to be serving out of obligation, which will obviously it will cause more trouble for us. Because then you're burned out, and then, and then you're not showing up, and then, and then we're worried, like, what's going on? And, and we have to come alongside of you. And, and if you could just go back, it's all because you need to be allowing your, your, your serving to flow from a place of love and relationship with Jesus. And then you don't burn out. You're not serving to get something from God. You're serving because he's been so good to you. You got to sit before you serve. Serving flows from sitting. What happens is is if you start serving out of the wrong motive and out of just obligation um, or, or to be seen, oh, I've seen that before. How many of you know sometimes people will serve at the right time if they know who's watching? And I got to see this in youth ministry because, uh, you know, I, I, I love to activate youth. And so for years, I would have a team who would set up, who would, who would tear down. I had greeters. I had the whole deal in our youth ministry. And I loved it because sometimes I would, be, I, I would pick some people, and some of y'all are here that were in my youth group. You know this. I would pick some people to take the trash out after. And that was the worst job. I mean, come on, let's be real like overflowing pizza, like, like Cokes that are just kind of spilling over the trash can, right? And it's probably dripping when you pull it out of the can. Like, that's just terrible, and it gets all over you. But what I loved is the people, you could always tell who were, who were just the ones who were hungry and who just loved the Lord and the ones who were just wanting to be seen because they would wait, and many times they would wait for me and Joy to be like just passing by the trash can. They'd be like, oh, here's my chance. They'd be like, hey, Pastor Stephen, how you doing? Hey, Pastor Joy, oh, great, no, I'm not doing it. I'm just taking the trash out. Just love what I get to do that, man. This is just amazing. You know, just serving for God. That's what I'm doing. Just serving for the kingdom of God. Yeah. 
No. You're serving so I can see you and give you a pat on the back. And when we serve that way, that pat on the back is all you get. Is all you get. We need to serve from a proper place. Let me say this before we go to our last one. Good works, doing good things, aren't for faith. They're because of faith. They aren't for salvation. They are because of salvation. James says faith without works is dead. Faith produces in you a grace to sustain your works. That's good preaching right there. Got to serve. Serving flows from sitting. Here's our last one. As you serve others, God serves you. I think this is maybe the most important one that I need you to understand today. As you step out and begin to serve other people. And I'm not, you got to hear this. I'm not just saying for you to serve here at Generation Church. Serving is a lifestyle. It could be your neighbor. What serving means, it could be somebody at your job. What serving means is, can you have a mindset to come up under someone else and serve them and say, how can I help you accomplish everything that God has put on your heart? Some of you, maybe you need to ask that question to your neighbor. And you've just been asking him if he'd go to church with you. And he keeps saying no, and you walk away. How about this? How about you ask them the question, hey, what are you passionate about? And if they're a Christian, what are some things that God has placed on your heart? What do you, what do you, you wish God would do in your life? And then how can you help to serve that in them? Real leadership is how well you serve those under you. It's not about how much you can tell them what to do. How well are you serving those who are under you? As you serve others, God serves you. Philippians 2, verse 6. It says this, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And look at verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jesus understood what it meant to come and serve and give his life. And because of this, as he was serving, God was exalting him. He didn't have to try to exalt himself, and neither do you or I have to try to climb the social ladder and exalt ourselves. As you serve others, God serves you. I brought up youth ministry, eight years of youth, youth ministry, two and three jobs, tired every single week, sometimes not getting off work until 6.15, pulling into the parking lot right here, 6.30, service starts in 10 minutes, tired, not wanting to go in there. If I'm honest with you, there were a lot of weeks that I I sat there and I said, God, I just want to go home and be with my family. I'm exhausted And I have to walk in there with a bunch of crazy teenagers 
Come on. I just didn't want to do it sometimes, but every time I just said, God, I don't have anything left in my cup, but you can just have the cup. And I gave him the cup, and I would walk through this door right here and instantly would feel the grace of the Holy Spirit come all over me. It was as if a bucket was being poured over me, just refreshing me from the top of my head down to my feet. There were days when I would pull into this parking lot on a Wednesday night having no message prepared, not because I wasn't preparing, but because I didn't have time. And I would sit in my car and I would say, God, I'm not getting out of this car until you give me a word for these kids. And I don't want it just to be about me. Just give me something that will stir these kids up. Every single time, the faithfulness of God to serve me as I chose to serve others. He's faithful to you. As we step out and say, God, I know I'm weak. I don't have a whole lot. But I'm here to get up under those kids that you put in front of me and serve them because I want them to know you. And I believe they have a destiny on their life. Every time God would pour in to me. Many of you have that similar story. There are people here who who serve. I mean, just even our worship team. Our worship team was here at 7 a.m. They hadn't gone home yet. They haven't gone home yet. And they're here because, you know, they, they, they want you to be able to enter into the presence of God. So they're serving you and they're serving God. It's others who are committed and serving over in Gen Kids so that these kids can be raised up and be little world changers is what we're praying for. We don't want babysitters. We want to raise up world changers over there. And many people have said yes to stepping in and, and beginning to commit and serve here at Generation Church. And I want you to see a story of two of those people who have made that commitment. You guys check out the screen. My name is Garrett Lorance. Uh, my wife and I started coming to Generation Church in February of 2018. We had just moved to Florida and uh, we were looking for a church home and we had been uh, kind of searching for a few months. There was just something about it that it was different. I really felt like they wanted to get to know me and wanted to talk to me and, you know, figure out why I'm here or, or where I've come from. And it wasn't just so much, you know, they weren't just putting on a show. It just uh, immediately felt like home. It was undeniable that this is where we were supposed to be. started coming to Generation Church, we were relatively young in our faith, even though we had been in church our whole lives. We had just really been receiving. You know, I always had this vision of a church just being a building and a church house, and it was just a place you would just show up to on Sunday mornings, and you just go and you hear the message and you sing the songs and then you go home. And so when my husband and I really started diving deeper into the Word and into our relationship with Jesus, it just felt so much more real and so much different than what I always thought the church was supposed to be. And it had just been going to church and going back home and uh, it just really been about us. And uh, we just felt a tug in our spirit that, that there was more to, to our faith, there was more to this relationship with the Lord. So we really felt like the Lord was telling us that, you know, it was 
so much more than just showing up on Sunday mornings and just us constantly receiving and serving as an overflow. And we truly felt that. We felt like we were constantly getting poured into, but we needed to give back. We needed to start pouring into others. We just took a leap of faith and started serving. And immediately we we kind of felt that that shift of, of, okay, this was all about us before, but now we're seeing where God has purposed us. You know, I really felt a tug in my heart to serve in Gen Kids. And, you know, I don't have, my husband and I don't have children yet. And so I did have that, you know, thought in my head, like, well, maybe I'm not qualified enough for Gen Kids. But I really felt like that was where the Lord was leading me. And, you know, I do have a heart for kids and I do have a heart for pouring into that next generation. One day we had a, we had a little girl um, say that, that she was sick and that she was she was really sick and she didn't understand why and and she wanted really wanted prayer she wasn't just talking just to talk and so we just kind of stepped in in that moment Hillary and I both did and we just and, and we didn't just pray as a group we got to pray with her and we got to see you know hope in her eyes and and we got to see the Holy Spirit comfort her and so it was just that moment where we realized this wasn't just about kids showing up and, and being babysat and that's really when it comes into full picture, that it's not just about me and it's not just about these kids having a place to stay and you know keep their attention on something. We're really getting an opportunity to, to tell these kids about Christ and help them experience Christ. We know that the Lord you know, gives us spiritual gifts for a reason and I think that serving is a perfect place to put those into practice and to actually get to see what Jesus has equipped you with to further his church and further his kingdom. And it's just so much more than, than me and the kids. It's, you know, the whole, this is what the church is. Come on, I think we should give God praise for that. As we kind of land this plane today, I, I, I want to illustrate to you something that I know many of you are thinking. Uh, something that I know many of you have thought or maybe you're thinking right now. Um, and and it's, it's really simply illustrated through, through this water bucket. And uh, I'm going to ask Jesse to come out, and Jesse is going to represent God. Don't let that go to your head, Jesse. This represents you and me sometimes, if I'm honest. And this represents the people. Whoops. <laughs> I had to treat them better than that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it represents the people who are here, the people around you. And if, if I'm honest, there's times when I know there's people here who have an empty cup. And I, I, I look at my own cup, man, and it's like it's really low. Like there might be a little bit in there, but it's low, low, like really low. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this sermon and I'm hearing people say, you know, we really need help. And, and we'd love to have you step in and learn how to live to serve. And so, okay, I'm just going to do that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just serve. I'm just going to serve, and I'm going to serve, and I'm just going to keep pouring into this cup because that's just what the pastor told me to do, and I feel bad if I don't. And so I just keep on serving. And then what happens is, is you just start kind of like just like dripping. Like you barely have anything coming out. And, and, and you're, and you're kind of barely putting anything into this cup until, until eventually you just kind of, you, you don't really have anything at all. And so for many of us, this is why we never live a life to serve others. In church, out of church, doesn't matter. Live a life to come up underneath somebody else's vision and serve somebody else. 
Because to us, honestly, our, our own cup, we've got our own jobs. I've got stuff going on. I've got things in life, and it's difficult. I mean, honestly, there's pressures, and there's, there's, there's family tension, and, 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 and my cup is already low. How can I give anything else? And I think the best way that I can illustrate this point, as I said, is as you serve others, God serves you. And so what I want you to understand is that it doesn't work this way. The way it actually works is, is you choose through relationship to step out and serve other people's vision. Come on, Jesse. And as you begin to pour out, God comes behind you and he just dumps into your cup. And you see how much more is coming out right here? You see how much more is coming out right here? I better stop because we're overflowing right there. We got water all over the place. This, thank you, Jesse. Didn't Jesse do a good job? Isn't this exactly... This is exactly what, what, what happens, that if we could learn that as we serve other people, God serves us, and so much better than we could ever serve ourselves. Our cup begins to overflow, and guess what? It begins, let me get this, it begins to spill out all over the place, and you got some leftovers right here. You got some leftovers, and when you think your tank was at the lowest and you didn't have anything left, and you just give God your five loaves and your two fish, God says, just give it to me. Just give me, your, just give me your fish and your loaves. And he takes it from you. And he blesses it and breaks it. And then he begins to feed multitudes. He does a miracle with what you could, the little that you have when you learn to give it to him. God is pouring back in to you. What does that mean for our church? Well, here's what it means. Easter, we have three services. We have three services coming up. And, and guys, whether you or I like it or not, the attendance keeps on going up just since January. So, so in January, since January, we've grown by 100 people, which is great. This is amazing. that We should give God praise for that. Amen? But here, here's the reality of it, church. The reality of it is, is that more people are coming. And more kids. They've got sometimes 80 kids over there. 80. Like 8-0. It's a lot of cheering. We've got, we've, we, we've got a need for people to, to serve other people and to catch this. You have to catch this. Don't walk out of here without catching this. God's calling you to, to, to come not just to receive, but to give what you have to serve someone else. So we want you simply here, we'd love for you to once a month serve one service. We call it sit one, attend one. Sit one, serve one. Sit in a service, serve in a service once a month. And here's really what we're asking. I'm asking for, for Generation Church for 50 people today. I think we had over 20 the first service, 25 people sign up on one of our A-teams. We're asking for 50 people. What does that help us do? It helps us sustain the vision, church. Like we're burning people out, and it takes the whole body together to accomplish this. It takes all of us. It's not about status. Some of you just can wave people in as they, as they pull into the parking lot, and you don't know the dots that are connected. And that person who had a terrible, a terrible experience 
and pulled in, nervous, and saw your smiling, waving hand, smiling face, waving them into the parking lot. And then that dot connected to the dot of the person standing under that tent. And as they shaked their hand and smiled at them, and then that dot connected to Anita and her team as they're in the in here just talking with people and praying with people. And then that dot connected to this dot, which connected to this dot, which connected to this dot because somebody gave their life to Jesus this morning. Somebody came forward in the service and gave their life to Jesus. I believe it wasn't just all about me. I believe it started way out in the parking lot. I believe it started way out in the parking lot. I believe it's connected over there to the Gen Kids side. I believe that there's dots connected all around this place that ultimately lead to life change, which is what we're all about here. And so as you leave today, as you leave today, in this corner, you're going to see some balloons. I mean, we, got it. we made it easy for you. And you're going to see some smiling faces with some iPads. And you got some, some, some things that, some papers that show a list of all of our, uh, all of our teams and, and ways that you can serve. And we're, we, don't want to, we don't want to twist your arm. You don't even have to commit today. You can grab a form and pray about it if you want to. We have prayer ministry. We have intercessor prayer. We have coffee. Some of y'all can swerve up some coffee. Come on now. Some of you guys can shake some hands. Help people find a seat. This is the body of Christ. Amen, church? I believe God's called each and every one of us to take part in the vision. I believe we are the church. I believe we are the, it's not, I am not the church. We, we are the church. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for every person here. Every person. And God, as we wrap this up and we're closing today, I hope nobody feels the guilt of the arm twists, but I hope people are stirred in their heart to learn and to know that it's so much better to give than it is to receive. You've called us here. You've called us here to to give and to receive. Yes, you pour into us. You're faithful every single time. When my cup is at its most empty, there there are Sundays when I'm just exhausted and I don't know that I even feel qualified to step on this stage, but you're faithful every single week to pour into me, to overflow my cup. And I thank you for that personally. I thank you for that grace. But I pray it for every person here. So what I'd ask for everybody to do right now is just simply ask one question. God, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking to my heart? That's all I want you to do is ask that question. What are you saying to me? I never like to close a service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I'm thankful that last service we had some people give give their life to Jesus, whether they're watching online or here, sitting in here. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here and you've never made a real commitment to give your heart to Jesus, not just believe. Listen, the Bible says even the demons believe, but it's about giving him your life and saying, yes, I believe in you, but I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me and be the Lord of my life. There's somebody in this room that needs to make that decision. I want you just with all boldness, nobody looking around, just slip your hand up at me. Anyone at all. Amen. Amen. This is what I want to do because I also know that many times thousands of people will watch this over the course of weeks. I want us to pray together. Maybe there's one in here that just didn't raise their hand, but I want to pray with you, and I want us all to pray this together. So church, if you're ready, just say, Jesus, I believe 
that you died on the cross and you were raised on the third day. I believe that you are seated in heaven and I'm asking you today to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.